The story of these papers starts with a voice in earphones or headphones or earbuds in these private listening devices which interestingly enough have entered the world of theatre in recent years growing into a must-have theatre accessory. Headphone theatre, theatre that asks its audience to wear headphones to access the performance, has indeed been witnessing an upsurge, producing new modes of spectatorship, or better say, listenership, and disrupting, as it were, received structures of theatre proper. In this audio essay, I will be sharing thoughts and words on one form of headphone-mediated theatre, that of the digital audio performance walks. This is theatre in your ear, but also on foot, taking spectators off their theatre seats and casting them instead as walking listeners of co-created theatrical space. Guided by way of oral, oral narrative, spectators walk along a predetermined route in the city or beyond, directly or indirectly linked with the usually pre-recorded digital audio material that they are privately listening. Kimberly MacLeod highlights the intermediality of these events. Such sound walk projects, she writes, exist within the concept of the both end, concurrently falling into various performance modes, including site-specific, locative, digital and one-on-one. It's this both-end logic of these audio theatre works that interests me here. I see it actualized on various levels, but it's particularly these both-end of walking and digital listening that I'd like to speculate a little bit on. The practice of listening to or in a virtual world of theatrical make-believe involved with actual walking movement through space. The idea of wired-up spectators, feet on ground, blending in with ears digitally attuned. At first glance, this both end reads and sounds uneasy, even neutrally exclusive. Walking is primarily, and I'm quoting Michel de Certeau's thoughts here from Walking in the City, a gesture of tactile material apprehension, an event of friction and synergy of self and space, a form of kinesthetic inhabitation. To walk is to tread on and thread as it were yourself in surrounding space. It is to be in place. Taking a step, Brandon Labelle writes in his Acoustic Territories, and finding oneself on the ground is answered by the subsequent sensation of the ground rising up to form a steady contact, lending to knowing where and who we are. With these thoughts in mind, headphone listening, the other side of our both-end conundrum, might sound as rather out of place. The encounter that this listening sets up for its audiences seems originally of a more withdrawn and less extensive nature than the one actualized by the walking mode, at least in light of the privatized enveloping bubble-like logics that we know of as correlated with the headphone experience. To headphone listen, Michael Ball writes, 
is to listen through and within the acoustic blanket, this is Didier Angier here, of the ear headphone device, one that brackets off the exterior world of the here and now, closing in instead on the personal space of the individual audience member. I'm quoting from Bell, even into the intercranial sonic space between the ears, end of quote. This is listening away from the wider environment. This is more of listening in, in as immune to reference of surroundings, in as immersed in an auditory space of digital making, which itself pre-recorded and digitally arranged or enhanced might often sound insular and immunized, friction-free, noise-clean, spaceless. Despite and because of this seemingly uneasy walking-listening duet, audio theatre walks find fertile ground. My argument is that these walking digital listening performance events, some of which I'll be shortly referencing in a while, draw on and creatively refashion this seeming juxtaposition. They, to begin with, restructure headphone listening with a view more to its embodied and corporeal implications or to the deep listening that it enables. This way, aligning also with recent trends in the field of digital performance that similarly emphasizes less on transcendence or transference and more on embodiment and effective engagement in its experiments with the virtual. At the same time, these audio walk events feed, as it were, from this seeming antithesis between the virtual audio feed and the physical walking experience in space as a strategy to make the familiar strange, to challenge, unsettle and confound the senses, thus inviting not only intense spatial awareness, but also a new altered perspective on surroundings. To test out these thoughts, I'd like to refer now to a few examples of audio performance walks, and particularly to Grammy Miller's Audio Walk Linked of 2003. Miller's work lies with audio theatre walks that draw on the cityscape as their stage. One might think here of similar work by Janet Gardiff or by the Canadian New World Theatre Group with its pot plays, and of course by many others. Such walks sent their wired-up spectators individually or collectively on an urban journey. Participants are invited to tune into the city narrative as players, performers, and as it, as it were as audience also, both in foot and in ear, carving directed paths and listening to audio materials set in the same urban space that is being physically explored. What attracts me in the case of Miller's Linked is how creatively it feeds on this listening, walking, simming antithesis discussed before. In the case of Linked, spectators, walkers are faced with a cognitive and perceptual dissonance that fleshes the piece as its dramaturgical force. What they hear 
through the audio clashes with what they see and walk through in space, even though the site referent is essentially the same, a neighbourhood in East London, the place of the M11 Link Road, but also the place of 400 homes which in the mid-1990s had to be demolished for the roadworks to begin. Theatre thinker and artist Graeme Miller describes his linked in both end terms. He defines his work, and I'm quoting, as a landmark in sound, an invisible artwork, a walk. Commissioned in 2003 by the Museum of London, Link equips its audience with a mop and a headset asking them to follow on foot the newly constructed link road from Hackney to Wanstead for approximately four miles. Walking on foot pace, a road meant for car speed, is the first dissonance with which audiences are confronted. At the same time, the listening material with which they are ear-fed and the road space on which they tread clash, as said, what they walk through is the spectacularly fast motorway. What they hear are testimonies, voices, sounds from the local communities ravaged under road construction works. By the time spectators walk the road, there's no visual trace left from this erased urban world. Carl Lavery shares his experience from the walk, and I'm quoting. Where my ears recreated a vanished world of gardens, children playing in the streets and snow in the city, my eyes stubbornly insisted on what was still there, the motorway. Past and present merged. Imaginative reality competed with everyday reality. End of quote. In Linked, Grammy Miller draws on the headphone frame as the enabling condition for deep listening. Listening as Pauline Oliveros theorizes it, listening as making way for the other. This isolating, immersive, immune space that the headphone bubble blanket affords is here reworked as the perfect ground for all the attentiveness that the delicate testimonial material of the piece requires. The movement for us, headphone listeners of Linked, may indeed be in words, in an imaginative reconstruction of the voiced community or in an empathetic journey across their traumatic narrative, yet only to return outwards again to the side specificity of the walk, to the ironic spectacle of the motorway marking our way, this time yet with heightened alertness and witnessing sensitivity. Wired up workers are cast in dual positioning, to quote Emily Pine's words, they're being both outside and inside which itself transforms the experience of spectatorship as essentially much more than image consumption. In this frame, walking and headphone listening eventually merge in mutual processes, the latter amplifying the sensory space that the former activates, 
repositioning the body in the trodden space of the motorway with a heightened sense of physical relatedness. The ultimate effect is a deeper, more sensitive approach to location, what Labelle refers to, and I'm quoting, an inclusive and expanded feeling for emplacement. End of quote. In these terms, the city also is redefined, it reclaims its status from non-place and becomes, in Lavery's terms, a site for experience and affective encounter and not simply something we pass through at top speed." End of quote. On another level, this disjunction between what's walked, seen, breathed in, smelled, heard, and what's listened to through the audio is in fact the creative impetus of the piece. Within and because of this discrepant listening, walking, duet, energized and linked, the everyday and all familiar M11 link road setting is ultimately transformed, reinvented, weighted with new significance. In this Brecht-like gesture of making the familiar strange, the audience's walking trail is charged anew beyond its gravitational pull. The voices and sounds of lost communities link with the busy traffic noise of the Link Road and transform the familiar scene of the everyday. You're forced to leave home, I'm quoting Lavery, opened to the other, end of quote. This blast of strangeness works as heightened vision in a sense. It reveals the city in all its multi-layered kaleidoscopic quality, not often encountered as such by virtue of the eye alone. The city comes forth as a narrative tissue now, woven often through present images, past voices and memories, rhythms, intensities, stories and counter-stories, some hashed, some erased, some written on top of the others. The city, the urban, Emily Pine phrases this wonderfully as a palimpsest that echoes through time. Miller's Linked, as many other similar audio walks, functions both as sonic memorial and archive, bringing hidden layers of the urban narrative into play, but also as theatrical force as such, urging us, as all theatre does, to see, I'm quoting Tim Crouch, something new in something you've taken for granted. Its raw material for such transformation has not been furnished by theatrical props or words, as is the case in conventional theatre, but by the seemingly dissonant structure of its making, by the walking and headphone listening duet. Mm -hmm. 